Hello and welcome to what we've learned. Series two. Yes, we're back. My goodness, Shane, can we remember how to do this? We found our headsets. We found our internet connections. Have we found our voices? It's series two. Who would have thought it, Shane? Welcome back. It's great to be back, but I know what you mean. <laughs> yes, it's been a while. We've taken a summer hiatus, friends. I hope you forgive us for it. Series one taught us an awful lot. We got to listen to some fascinating people to kick around some subjects in a very, very changeable time. Of course, series two in the autumn of 2020, still changeable times. But one of the key things that we've learned from series one, from feedback from you good people that have listened in, is the stories were the most interesting bit. Hearing from people, various aspects of their roles, their, their lives even, has been a fascinating insight into what they're dealing with and where they're going. And that's therefore the focus of series two, Shane. It is indeed. I think, you know, reflecting on what we've all learnt um, through those very different approaches and those different stories has helped lots of people. And um, we've had lots of recommendations of great uh, guests. So I'm very excited about the lineup for this series and the first one particularly as um, I've known our first guest for quite some time. Yeah, well, I was lucky enough to meet that guest, Mr. Ian Hughes, through yourself actually, Shane, probably about 15 years ago. So that means, uh, we, we've we've known of him for a long time, you longer than I, um, and he embodies what I was taught many, many years ago, but one of my best bosses who said to me when I was client side, Steve, surround yourself with good people. And I think that's the aim for us with series two. As you said, Shane, people have been very kind to give us recommendations of people they think would be great. And Ian is one of those. Uh, and we're delighted to start with Ian today. So good morning. It's my great pleasure to uh, welcome to this podcast, Ian Hughes, who's Chief Executive of Consumer Intelligence, who I've had the great pleasure, not just of knowing over quite some considerable time, but also working with and working for. So I'm really looking forward to this session because um, I know that Ian's going to share some perhaps slightly different thoughts. So with that intro, Ian, perhaps you could tell us a little bit more about um, yourself and Consumer Intelligence and then what you've learned over your career. It's just the softballs to get us started. Um, so, uh, I mean, Hughes Consumer Intelligence, we're a company that's all around about uh, bringing confidence uh, to uh, financial services. And this piece about bringing confidence to financial services, it kind of has two edges to it. One is we want companies uh, in financial services to make confident decisions that are well-informed with good insight, good information. Uh, so we, you know, we, we're an insight and information business as well. Uh, but we also want consumers to feel confident uh, in the decisions they're making and then the companies they're working with. Um, so I've been doing that for quite, so this was, I think, my 18th year just coming up on now um, of doing that. Um, I kind of, you know, the, it, it's interesting, you know, as, you, as you go through the course of your career, you get to a point now where, where we have this purpose around confidence in financial services and, and helping to do that. Uh, but it didn't start that way. We didn't start from here. But actually, during the course of the, can, uh, the, the, the pandemic, during the course of COVID, what we've seen is that having a purpose, uh, understanding that and building to that has been absolutely you know, fundamental and crucial to us as a business. And I think will be crucial to our future as well. So um, I, I guess the story of how we got there is more about being an imposter and being an outsider than being an insider. But I guess we'll get to that as we're going through. So before we come on to that 
brilliant last sentence purpose in i think lots and i'm sure steve will perhaps have a comment on this too purpose is banded around in marketing but yeah. but what do you think in is is really when you talk about purpose what do you really mean um Oh God, I, I, I don't want this to be like, sound like it's too profound, but it is fundamental, right? And I think, you know, I'm, <clears throat> I'm, it's my birthday on Saturday, so I'm, I get to be an old man on Saturday. Um, and I think I get to reflect on, um, you know, what, what COVID has taught me and what the, the course of my career has taught me is that you can do things for money, right? You can do things for, uh, because it enhances your career and whatever, but if you do things for purpose, if you have a why, then it doesn't really matter whether you live or die. It doesn't really matter whether your business succeeds or doesn't succeed. It doesn't matter full stop. Uh, what matters is that you, sh you move towards your purpose and that you are purposeful in your life. Um, and then you can look back and you can go, and, we, and this happened at least a couple of times in the course of the pandemic where you know, I looked at it and I went, you know, could, it's possible we could lose everything here. It's possible that, that we might lose the business, that I might lose, you know, if I lose the business, I lose my house, I lose everything, right? And I, I have two choices. I can either say, I tried to make a lot of money and I failed, or I can say, I tried to change the world and I failed. And you kind of look at it and you go, well, saying I tried to change the world and I failed is at least you can feel proud of that. If you say, I tried to make a lot of money and I failed, well, is that something to be proud of? I'm not sure. Um, so I would, I would rather have a why. Um, so Simon, um, Simon Sinek talks about, you know, starting with why and having a purpose and being purposeful. At least it gives you that, that sort of route that you can go, you know, I'm trying to change. I'm trying to do something in the world. And if we make some money along the way, I mean, I'm not, by the way, you know, it's not like I'm averse to making money. It's, it's just that, you know, if you do it because of money, my, my biggest experience in, in at least the last 10 years is if you do it for the money, you're doing it for the wrong reason. If you do it for the purpose, that, then the money can follow. Uh, it doesn't always follow, but it can follow. But at least you, at least you in your heart, you have the, the sense that you're, you're doing something that's right and eventually you will get there. And that's fascinating and there's no problem at all with it being profound by the way regardless of whether it's your birthday big or small um <laughs> just just linking that back to the financial services and as an area that you spend yeah. a lot of time in when you mentioned 18 years of doing this and this year particularly uh, and we've talked about this on previous episodes around purpose and brands how they how they've behaved if you will in covid and whether it's yeah. been genuine versus a sticking plaster to try and you know fudge fudge it to get through and sell um i just wonder whether over that arc of 18 years with 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 financial sector you've seen not just covid but i wonder whether 2008 and the um the aftermath of that have brands in that space been able to embrace what you've just said or is there still a real uh, a real spectrum when it comes to organizations doing the right thing of purpose versus profit and shareholder value uh it's a mixed bag is the answer to that question um <clears throat> i think there's a real uh what you see is a, a a massive spectrum but on the whole i would say we still see far too much that's driven by bottom line and return on shareholder capital, um, a drive towards 
the northeast corner, as they used to call it, uh, a, a business school, and you know, drive towards making sure that you deliver that penny on the bottom line and you don't miss your targets, rather than believing in the bigger picture about uh, you know, doing something that's right in the world. There are some brands, and I, I just want to be clear, that's not all brands. And, and I said I was an imposter, right? So I don't come from financial services, as I'm sure you know, Shane's known me for years and years. I, I, this came, I came to this late in the, in the game. The purpose is about helping people make confident decisions, helping consumers make confident decisions. It's just that financial services is the place where people make sometimes the least confident decisions. And as a result of that, um, they find themselves circumstances where you know that they're not being best served in their financial lives and you know whether it be uh, buying insurance and and forgetting to to switch for 10 years and getting quote unquote ripped off uh, because they fell asleep or because they've been with their bank for you know people are still today more likely to leave their life partner than they are to leave their bank um, you know and they don't know why and and you know, banks and, and I've, we work with some of those organizations and we and some of them we don't work with. Um, but, you know, you, you see that, they, that customers, they talk about customers are the heart of everything. It's not customers at the heart of everything. Profits at the heart of everything and customers just kind of help you get there. And and I, and, since, and your question was around 2008 and, and now. What we have seen is that um, the people are trying to be purposeful and they're trying to sort of talk about some of it but we're also seeing some brands i mean the one that keeps springing into mind as i'm answering this is, uh, is nfu mutual I and mean, we track customer satisfaction nfu mutual's customers believe that they walk on water i mean literally they love them you try and stop somebody bringing an nfu mutual customer they will they will not be happy with you and it's i think comes from mutuality in that particular instance and a, a mindset uh, and a corporate culture that that's driven from mutuality and i think this is this whole so the, the other thing about purpose is it drives culture mm. um and a, a, a culture that's effectively about bottom line you can you can call it purpose you can put lipstick on it you can get a brand person to to do a nice you know purpose statement for you and go out and be all you know earthy crunchy about saving the environment and living the planet and blah 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 and big what sits on cnn uh but the truth is that uh you, you're really about the money um and you can tell it from the outside in you can as a customer you can see it uh, and that was kind of where we got started with the business i think that's fascinating Ian, because it's i don't know why but it is definitely very now and and i'm not sure whether either of you've watched um on netflix the social experiment mm. um which is a, I'd recommend it to anybody listening to this, is a fascinating film about um, the social media platforms and exactly to Ian's point, the fact that profit becomes the driver, whereas, you know, perhaps originally there was a slightly different purpose. And it's interesting when you see very large organisations and people who've worked for the likes of Facebook or Twitter or Instagram, talk about how that perhaps got lost along the way and the culture has become very much about, you know, the money machine. Mm. Um, and have you sort of different, obviously, you know, that tech world, Ian, but in, in your world, in, in the financial services, have you seen, or perhaps even at consumer intelligence, you've been faced with a point where you have a choice between this sort of the purpose, the doing the right thing, continuing to, if you like, I know values are very important. Um, mm. Sort of 
almost a crisis point or a tipping point and, and what helped you make your choices um i mean we you know i have a personal crisis point at least three times a day um <laughs> uh, um I think, you know, so, so what helps me make my choices uh, is, you know, uh, strong values that were put into me by my grandmother, by my, my grandparents, by my father, by, by my education, by where I came from, a bunch of those things uh, that affect me, which um, as I go, as again, you know, as I get older, I kind of get to the point where I realize that, that these things are, are crucial. Um, I think, it was in, I was reflecting this morning on this, you know, this year we've been really lucky. Um, we, we run on a four year planning cycle. We came to the end of what we called vision 2020 at the beginning of this year. And we reset and put vision 2024 in place and, um, vision 20, the difference between vision 2020 and vision 2024 is, uh, <clears throat> vision 2020 was almost uniquely expressed in numbers. Um, you know, we wanted to grow to be this size. We wanted this level of EBITDA. We wanted to do this, that, and the other thing. And it was just kind of like a, an expression in, in numbers. Um, and what was interesting, when I got to that point, um, I realized that we were running a finite game. So just by setting a four-year vision, by setting a, a three-month whatever, you run a, you're running a finite thing that says, but I, will, I will achieve these numbers by that point in time. The difference with purpose, and the, when we came to Vision 2024, is that um, purpose is infinite. Right, so you don't, you're never going to get there. It's an, it's a, it's a dream that that uh, that the companies we work with will make confident decisions. That we're never going to get there. We're, but it doesn't stop driving us towards wanting to make it incrementally better as we go along. And I think, for me, uh, what I've certainly found in the course of the last five years, as we went through Vision 2020, and as we started building into this this new cadence for for the next four years. Um, Doing things by KPIs, doing things by the numbers, for the numbers, it's being a servant to the numbers rather than being a servant to the purpose, um, mean, drives the wrong behavior and it drives the wrong, so values are about behavior. And I think from our values perspective as a business, we talk about them, they're very, they're important to us within the business. But when, but the truth is, and I think this is at the heart of your question, when, if you're driven by numbers and by KPIs, then when you come to an inflection point, when you come to a decision point and you say, right, I could work with this company or I could not work with this company. Uh, if you're driven by the numbers, you'll say, well, how much money are they going to give me? And if you're driven by purpose, you'll go, but do, how does that help me get where I want to get? Um, and there have been times across the course of this year where because we're no longer driven as much by the, 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 the key driver is not the number, the key driver is the purpose that we have said no. Um, we won't do that. And we've walked away from things. Uh, there's been at least a couple of opportunities this year where we've gone, no, we're just not going to do that because it's not right. And it doesn't build confidence in financial services. Um, and there have also been, just to put the other side of that, there've been one or two times, and I'm sure we'll come to talk about this, um, where having that purpose has allowed us to say, how will we deal with COVID? How will we deal with a problem like a pandemic? And the answer is our purpose helps us deal with that. Um, and you know, it, by doing the, we were so you know, just incredibly fortunate to have a purpose that speaks to the moment. Um, you know, we didn't just create it for today. We created, you know, we've been created over the course of the last 18 years. Um, that that uh, 
it's it helps you it's the decisions you take the things you walk away from as a result of it which you wouldn't walk away from if you were just looking for the money and it's the things you walk towards that you probably wouldn't do if it was just about the money I and mean, we you you shane have been so implemented implement, instrumental as the word in in helping us think about um content um and the use of content for instance within our marketing and you know we we took we now have content which speaks to our purpose i mean very fortunately it's about helping companies make confident decisions uh, at a time when most companies are not really knowing what's going on in the world but we've really used content to drive what we think is going on how we think um, world is changing how consumers are changing and we've put that out for free into the into the universe and as a result like last week we had a webinar that that actually I mean, we had a tech issue which meant people couldn't get on but we had over 500 people wanting to get 500 people from our core clients wanting to get onto that webinar and we, but we were talking we weren't talking about money we were talking about the change we want to make in the world and people were coming to listen to it sorry i got carried away uh, carried away is good Ian. really really interesting and i mean it, it, it plays back what you've just said that so much sitting here with my marketing hat on and people that may listen into this from whatever sector of yeah. you know as you said back uh, previous point around you can put lipstick on things but and you can have really polished brand or marketing but if the product or service isn't good or what you stand for is not right in the eyes of that consumer or that customer whatever the market is then there's that huge disconnect and that won't breed I mean, you talked about culture and that leads on to, to loyalty often. Um, yeah. That last point around that, actually almost giving yourself a freedom, it sounds to me, that if we just set out who we are and what we stand for and create messaging, whether it's marketing, verbal or otherwise, uh, you, you, it builds, a, I guess, a position of differentiation, but also confidence that, look, if somebody doesn't like it, it's not what they want as a, a potential customer of ours, then you're not under that pressure because well it would be a false dawn if they came into you you, you you attract people that have those hopefully shared values i presume as well or on that same journey towards shared values at least mm. and i think you can do a lot of that with marketing just to be clear so you can try and make it look good with marketing but but it's not real at the end of the day and i think i mean that's been the story of consumer intelligence right so we're a company that's all about helping brands give great service and we do that because you know i i mean way back when when shane talked about how long we'd known each other but i used to work in the call center business and we used to see as an outsourced call center company we used to see that uh you know when you take a donation for the rspca and the person at the other end of the phone who's making their donation wants to talk about their cat or their dog or their whatever and they you know they they love the, the RSPCA and the work that they do and the purpose that they serve and the cause that they have, uh, or, or you're taking um, you know, a phone call for a, a government agency. I won't specify which government agency we're working for because uh, they still exist. Um, you know, and people literally were just phoning up to shout. Um, and, and just for an employee perspective, working in something that's purposeful like the rspca and working on those calls people our employees loved to work on those calls love to take those phone calls love to work in that part of the business whereas nobody wanted to work in the government agency side where they were just getting shouted at all day long so giving great service at the, that point in time and, and doing something that's the right thing to do is not just good from a customer perspective it's good from an employee perspective and I would suggest that it has to therefore be good from a, from a shareholder perspective. But it, it starts 
it starts by thinking about that interaction, that phone call and how you make that call better. Um, and then, then you deliver the, the pounds on the bottom line. You don't start by thinking the pounds on the bottom line and then work your way back to the phone call. So I think that's fascinating in that, that you know, we, we've both been data-driven marketers through our yeah. careers, but your, your passion comes through about the customer experience and the, and the customer service element, which led you in very clearly this, this particular direction. Um, because you're so close to the customers and now obviously, you know, consumer intelligence is about knowing more about financial services customers than possibly the brands themselves. And I, I think there's an interesting lens that perhaps to for you to comment on and maybe Steve to jump in as well is that sometimes brands don't understand the power of the data that their third-party suppliers have. You mentioned call centers being a very good example, um, but there's there's lots of others where, you know, data is being collected by an outsourced provider. Mm. Um, and back to culture, are there brands in that you've worked with over your career that you, you see that understood that? and try to make them part of the business versus the sort of classic vendor supplier relationship, which is we're paying you to do this, not tell us all the things that we don't want to hear because they're actually bad news. As you say, you know, their customers shouting at us. Is there, is there a lens there where you've seen some companies get it right? Um, yeah. Let me just reflect on that for a second. I'm trying, to, I'm trying to think whether it's the companies or the people who work in the companies. I mean, I guess the people who work in the companies live within the culture of the company, right? Um, sometimes you have people who work who are really good at part. We have it at, at consumer intelligence. So we have companies that we work really closely with, people that we work really closely with and have done for, for over a decade. Um, and, you know, part of my job is to, is to not just help the companies that I work with, but to help the people that I work with um, and to help them do better. And so some of the companies we work with really keep us at very arm's length. Um, and, and, and don't, we have no clue what we, we create data. We have no clue what they do with our data and they don't want us to know what they do with our data, um, which is fine. Um, and then some companies that really want our opinion on the subject. And for a while, for a long time, at the beginning of consumer intelligence, we didn't like to give our opinion on any subject. I mean, I'm, you know, just to, I want to be very clear at this point in time. I, just the point I made earlier on, I, you know, I am an imposter. I didn't come from insurance. I didn't come from financial services. I started this because I was an, I was an angry customer uh, who just happened to know something about the call center business that you worked in before. Um, so, you know, I, can't, I knew, I could see from the data, I could see, hear it in the phone calls I was making when I wanted to be a customer, that these companies couldn't see the world through the eyes of their customer and weren't listening to the calls. And, and if they were measuring things, they were measuring the wrong things because I was just getting nowhere, give, trying to give them money. Um, and that was how the business got started. Um, but, uh, you know, and, and across the course of the business, we have, we have helped companies, but we have helped people as well and I do think uh, it is you know so you talk about it when you when you think about marketing when you think about ABMS when you think about um, all that kind of stuff and, and marketing is not really about markets it's about people and it's about affecting and influencing people I mean I remember one of the very first jobs I ever had was running a folding machine 
at the age of like 15, 16, it was a summer job. My dad ran a, a mailing house uh, down in Bristol and I spent six weeks folding uh, a BC a book club associates uh, insert that was going into an envelope, right? And, and it was the same insert for six weeks. It was hundreds of thousands. And we were sending these to, you know, millions of people who were going to get this promotion that said, you know, give us a pound and we'll send you three books. Um, I can pretty much remember the copy still today. And I just remember sitting there going, I know that uh, if we're sending out a million of these, I know that 970,000 at least are going in the bin. So why would I want to speak to 970,000 people who are literally going to throw this stuff in the bin? Why wouldn't I just speak the 30 people who actually wanted to open it and actually respond? And it was kind of that that triggered me. So, you know, I'm a, kind of a data geek at heart, but it, but it was what what data represents as humanity um, and, and how you really connect with people and, and whether we're in our business and we're trying to help our customers and connect with them and connect with where they want to get to and connect with what their purpose is or, or whether it's trying to help consumers really um, sleep well at night because they have great insurance or they've got the right cover or they've got the right whatever that it's we're, we're all people at heart and and business has to be around driving that uh in the future but it's but you know it's about connection that's the not I, I answered a different question shane sorry uh, i just got i got on my high horse and went in a different direction Ian, this is your podcast you're allowed to do weird interventions <laughs> for you my friend um it's again really fascinating stuff um the, the lots in there and, and you mentioned a couple of times through that and the previous point around the employee angle as well and, and so yeah. as you said uh, that point around the you know million um, letters going out the door the, the squander the waste that's there is one yeah. thing but of course from an employee engagement if you are that person yourself or anyone that's doing activity whether it's picking up the phone and getting shouted at or putting stuff out through the post that you just don't believe in then again we're back to that challenge around culture and values and 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 employees are so important to any organization but i think this year has taught us even more so if you haven't got them on side and behind you then you have real challenges um i just wonder whether with your professional insight hat on and, and shane said data driven i prefer data led i think to be a bit of a pedant is that the idea that if you can take that source of first and third party data to help sense check the values perhaps at a broad level but equally when it comes to the more with a marketing lens campaign by campaign it gives you a better idea of the people the humans that you're trying to deal with as you say um one of my fears and, and shane and i have spoken about this but not on a podcast yet i'd be fascinated on your take on this is that organizations use uh, either skewed or out of date insight a lot of the time so subjective opinion from the most senior man or woman in the room um, insight that's just old or whatever it may be i wonder whether 2020 and the lockdown has put even more pressure on the fact that actually research that you may be relying on now that was only six months old is entirely out of date is that something that this year has has shown as far as you can see totally utterly and completely um and i presume therefore and it's a huge risk for businesses if they're not getting this that uh, you know that they're they're, they're off mark their, their values are all wrong they've missed the market all sorts of big business problems rather than you know the so what our data's a bit out of out of kilter i mean i think uh, so so i always think of, I'm, I'm trying to be positive about everything in life um because it's easier that way um 
I, I think what it's done is given a wake-up call. We used to see a lot of uh, confirmation bias uh, within some of the companies we work with where, um, you know, we would see something in our data that would, you know, sort of flag an issue and we'd go to the client and we'd say, hey, you've got this issue. And they go, no, we don't. Um, you know, we don't want to, we don't, we don't want to hear that. You know, we're, you're not, you're wrong. Um, and, you know, we'd look at it and go, okay, well, I don't know. I mean, maybe I'm wrong. Uh, maybe you're right. And then, often we'd find out that we were right and they were wrong um but they would they weren't they were interested in in not having things that that um contradicted their opinion but things that confirmed their opinion so you know this whole concept of data as a confirm as a source of confirmation not as a source of challenge um and i think it's what this year has done is that the one thing that you absolutely know today is that uh is that next year is not going to be the same as 2019, right? So that's the one thing that we can be clear about. Now, we, we've talked about that for a while. You, you talk about change for a while, but the, what, what COVID has demonstrated to us is that the world is different. And every assumption that you made about your strategic plan uh, and the way you do your strategic planning, everything that you thought about consumers, everything is out the window. And that's an enormous bonus for boardrooms because before they weren't questioning things enough they weren't challenging themselves enough and questioning the data enough and now they have to because it's different that things are different i was just watching this morning you know what's what's christmas going to be like on the high street it's the, the one thing we know is it's going to be different i mean i don't know what it's going to be like but i know it's going to be different right so what does that mean for christmas in terms of online what does that mean in terms of Christmas and, and, and turkeys, the size of a turkey, right? So you only need a six person turkey. You don't need a, 12, a 10 person turkey, but you probably need more turkeys. So if you're a turkey farmer, things are different. If you are, you know, everything's different. And that's, you either see that as a challenge because you were stuck in your ways, you had a plan, you had this, this you had that, and you had the other thing, you know, you had structure, you had KPIs and, and everything's gone off and now you don't know what to do with that. Or you see it as an opportunity and you see it as, you know, we, we have an opportunity to reinvent here. And we see it with some of the call centers that we work with where, you know, they had four or 500 people sat in a call center, like, like battery turkeys waiting for Christmas. Um, and, uh, and literally overnight, they had to send those people home and make them work from home. And the number of banks and or big secure organizations that we work with who said, oh my God, we can't do this because we have security issues, we've got, uh, you know, data protection issues. We just can't make it work with people working from home. And within two weeks, not two months or two years, two weeks, they made it work. It just goes to show people can change and will change. And what COVID has done has forced the change into people. And, and I think, but that brings you back to purpose. I and mean, we, we talked about, we've had to pivot within our business, right? We've had to change, but we've pivoted within purpose, right? We've, 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 we, our purpose is our North Star, and we've had to change a lot. We don't, you know, we don't, we don't go into the office like we used to go into the office. We don't visit customers like we do, used to go and visit customers. I used to visit uh, Asia three, four times a year. And I'm not going to Asia anymore. I mean, not just now. I don't think I'm going to Asia ever in the future because they're not going to want me there. And I'm, I don't need to go. That's all changed. So I think it's, an exci it's exciting to think about that. And it's an exciting opportunity. Um, but if you're only running by the numbers, come back to your point, Steve, the, the challenge today is what is the KPI of tomorrow? Mm. And we don't know that yet. We, it's different. What we do know is it's different. We don't know what it is. And we, and we know that, 
um, some of the stuff that, that we used to rely on in the past, we're not going to be able to rely on in the future. But I think the companies that, are, that know that, that have that at their heart, are actually already benefiting from it. We see it with um, some of the great, there's some amazing case studies in, in insurance. I mean, who would have thought that? Sorry, can we just take a little time out here? I'm talking about insurance, right? And I'm saying it's interesting. Um, so we clock back on again. <laughs> so it, it, it is fascinating business, just so you know. You know, people like Admiral gave away 25 quid to all their customers. It cost them 95 million pounds, right? This is a company that, that's in the insurance sector. It's boring, right? It's, it's insurance. You have to buy it every year. Nobody wants to do it. It's dull. They gave away 25 quid. Their customers literally love them. I mean, mm. and, and, and no insurance company would dream of giving money away to their customers before. They'd never do it, wouldn't do it, wouldn't even contact their customers. They, they were kind of forced to do it. And it's been amazing. It's interesting to say that you say they were forced to do it because I, I, I completely agree with you in the, the companies that are going to survive and thrive and, and come out stronger are the ones who are thinking differently, who see the opportunity. They, they didn't have to give that money back because we weren't using our cars or, you know, they weren't using what they paid the insurance for in the first place. But because there are lots of insurance companies who haven't done it, but they chose to do it. And I think you're right. That's back to that purpose and doing well, the Shane, right thing. It's also thing. back to culture as well. And, yeah. and Ian, you'll know better than Shane and I, but Admiral, the ones that are in my mind, not just for the £25, but for one of the founders, again, one of the founders of the business, giving a vast sum of money to the employees as they leave. Mm. Is that right? And again, if you've got people at the top of that tree that have that kind of altruistic view to their employees, then that £25 idea can make it. Whereas you may have other organisations in that industry or any industry where the idea gets floated, uh, but it gets shot down because it's just at, at odds with the culture or the value of that organization. So I think that I, so I think there's a bunch of things to unpick, but I just want to focus on the 20, did they have to do it? Um, the simple answer is that all insurance companies um, have been told by the FCA that they have to look at the value that they provided in terms of insurance and have to uh, potentially give money back to to their customers and some companies have offered to do that to customers but in order to do it you have to phone up and claim it um, and you have to ask for it uh, but the FCA has made it clear that if if you were insuring a customer to drive 5,000 miles and the customer could not drive or 8,000 or whatever and the customer could not drive and therefore you did not have the risk then you do have to assess uh, how you respond to that and how you um, deal with value for customers. That is, that is a, a mandate the FCA has made. So they, so they had to do something, right? All insurers have to do something. What Admiral chose to do, and they were fortunate because of the, some of the tectonics within the business, they chose to just send it to their customers. Other companies chose to say, yeah, we'll do something, but you have to phone us and ask for it. And, and other companies have, have sort of said, well, you know, we actually have losses that we've taken in our travel insurance business. And, you know, we have business interruption insurance we're going to have to pay out on. So, yeah, we've made gains in motor insurance, but we'll have to pay out those gains in business insurance. Or, And I still, and I know of still other companies that said, oh, well, I would, you, I've seen what Admiral have done. You just watch what we do. It's going to be even better. And they didn't actually do anything. And, and I think it's been, re, it's been a, you know, just come back to this about purpose and values and culture. Um, <clears throat> It's been a really interesting time because, you know, it's 
all, I think this speaks, speaks to your point, Steve, every company had to do something. What they did was driven by their culture. In the case of Admiral, what they did was give the money back to customers. And, and it, you could see it as being commercial suicide. Actually, I mean, it cost them 95 million, according to their accounts. I think it's the best 95 million they ever spent on advertising, uh, mm. because I think they'll get that back and more in the future. Other companies chose to be a bit more, for want of a better word, weaselly about it. Um, and, and I don't think they're going or to short termist, I guess, Ian, is, you know, weaselly is one word, short termist. They're just not yeah. thinking about that, that loyalty and that, that bigger picture that it, it's clear as day from Admiral and the way that they've, they've created that value, intangible value or tangible value or both. That, that yeah. Although you say insurance is, is, is dull with a, with a slight side grin, you know, that's the challenge for any organization that I work with in B2B markets particularly is how do we make our product or service that fundamentally is the same as a lot of others stand out? And you can't necessarily always change the product, but you can change the environment, which is, is a brilliant example for any industry, I think. Yeah, and I think so there's some other things that just come back to the culture piece as well. So we monitor, for instance, what happens when somebody wants to cancel their insurance. Um, so in the case of some companies, when you want to cancel your insurance, so the FCA is now mandating that you should be able to do it online, uh, which is great, I suppose. Um, lots of companies make you phone up to cancel. Admiral are one of those companies. So you have to phone them up to cancel. Now, in the case of some of those calls, when I listen to them, um, it's literally hello, I'd like to cancel my insurance. What's your policy number? Da, 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 da. When do you want to cancel? Great, done. Okay. And, it, and it's literally, you, you get no sense at all that the company wanted to keep you. I, I was an Admiral customer um, and I phoned up to cancel my insurance. And I mean, it literally, they couldn't match the price. I tried to match the price, but, and they tried really hard and it was a great conversation. It was not scripted. I really got to the end of that phone call and thought, God, you know, I'm not staying with you because I, I, I can cut my price in half by switching to somebody else, but I actually would quite like to come back and have that experience all over again. So I left as a good lever rather than as an indifferent or a bad lever. And I think that's, again, comes down to culture. And by the way, I'm not, I'm not sort of um, uh, evangelizing uh, Admiral in any way, shape or form. I'm just saying that there's, there's, you know, there are other good companies out there as well. Um, and I've mentioned a few of them so far, but you know, it's, it's, it is about, you know, making, and it, you, you talked about it. So it's not one person who's given away a uh, thousand pounds per employee when they retired. It's actually, uh, so David Stevens is the second time it's mm. happened. Uh, mm -hmm. Englehart did it the first time. David Stevens did it the second time. Um, and I, and that just goes to show, again, you come back to this point around, you know, it's about employees, it's about the customer experience. It starts with that. And they made a lot of money along the way, both of them. And they did it, you know, for the right reasons. And, and as a result, and they've given back. And I think that just goes to show in their departure, it goes to show the kind of people that they were. Um, and I, I, I'm sure there are people that know them who'd say they're not that nice or whatever, but, but the, the kind of the fundamental people that they are and the fundamental business that they built. And it's the same with NFU Mutual. It's the same with a bunch of the other mutuals that we come across. And it's the same with a number of PLCs that we come across as well. But uh, it's about whether you're making it for this year's PNL or whether you're doing it for the long term. We've covered an awful lot. And we, I mm. suspect we could cover even more. But I think one of the things that's really come clear to me as we go through this is that people, you know, and again, I'm with you on this, Ian, is we, we're not thinking about the consequences of our actions uh, enough. And I think the lens we've all had this year has 
rightly put that much more to the forefront um mm. my hope is we we don't lose that that doesn't go away people whether it's employees whether it's customers whether it's our communities um so you know hopefully given quite a lot for everyone listening to this to think about and also your top tips about it being all about your purpose and clear on your focus within that purpose and allowing you to focus so what's the focus for the next year what you've already mentioned it's not it's not so much about numbers um but what one thing are you really hoping to deliver within the next year ian um i guess i should have seen this question coming shouldn't i um, <laughs> uh, given your given your day job ian perhaps yes <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I just, I just want to give a succinct answer. Um, we we believe uh, that this is a pivotal time for consumer intelligence. Uh, this is a moment where companies are coming back to customers. Uh, so the course of the next year for us is about really stepping into our 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 purpose and really delivering on that and and changing up the game uh, within the business um uh, there's a lot of stuff that we have within our data that we haven't really analyzed uh, i think steve you made the point when we we were literally surrounded by data um and and using better better questions uh, that we ask ourselves to get better answers for our customers is part of what we have in the year ahead um you know, ch really challenging ourselves to go a bit further and I believe companies by 2025, companies will fundamentally be different. They will be more focused on, on their customers. They will, they will have to be more customer centric. And I think that my job is to be six to 12 months ahead of them. So be us better understanding where the market's going across the course of the next year so that we can lead uh, both companies and customers is what we have to do. And I think that's a, not an, an insubstantial challenge for us uh, because, you know, we don't have deep pockets. We're not, we don't, we're not backed by private equity or that kind of stuff. And, you know, so you've got to find a way to, to do that within the context of, uh, you know, it's not, a, it's not you know, within the context of what you have at this point in time and within the context of, of, of getting it right. So I think, or, do, or doing it right um, in terms of delivering for our customers. So the next 12 months is, is really around changing up the business. I, I, I make it sound like it's perfect from our cultural perspective. It's clearly not, um, you know, but there are clearly better things to do. And I think one of my, my so I'm 55 this Saturday, um, you know, one of my challenges for my next decade is that if we're really going to change the way that, that companies make decisions in the next decade, it's got to not be about me. So certainly for my, my next year and the years after that, it's about how I better work with my team and how they deliver for our customers uh, and how, you know, so hopefully a year or two from now, you won't be talking to me. You'll be talking to somebody who, who's part of the team at consumer intelligence and who's as passionate and, and as, uh, and as, uh, committed to the purposes as I am. So my purpose for the next 12 months is to begin that journey. The purpose for consumer intelligence is that we must lead. And that is a big ask for us uh, uh, within the world that we sit in today.
Well, I knew we were in for a treat and sure enough, uh, Ian delivered lots to reflect on and think about and particularly, you know, for all of us looking forward and thinking about the what next and the people that surround us. But what resonated particularly with you, Steve, because uh, there were just so many points to reflect on. Oh, Shane, so much. We, you know, you're going to it's the tricky second album, right? Having a series two and you want to go out with a good opening track. And Ian Hughes was that barnstorming opening track for us. Um, loads we could talk about for, for a long time and, and threads that actually I think would make really interesting further episodes for sure. Um, I think particularly what resonated is that idea of, of, of the va values and culture of an organisation. And, and as Ian said, not only in the case of some of the brands he referenced that they can differentiate themselves in, in fairly competitive markets, but just being good, um, doing the right thing. And it, it comes from on top that if you are an organisation that stand for the right things, a lot can flow from there. I agree. And I think there was sort of lots of links around, you know, purpose that does deliver a profit. But as you say, about doing the right thing as well, particularly around people. And I've been doing some quite interesting research into the links in the whole customer experience world between your turnover of employees, which Ian touched on, um, and your customer retention. And oh boy, are the metrics incredibly strong. If you're churning your staff, guess what? Um, you have unhappy customers and vice versa. Yeah, and, and actually it plays back to Ian's point around, you know, if you're led by KPIs, then perhaps that's the wrong direction of travel. And, and, and equally, you can be snowblind by too many of the wrong measures. So if you're just about the bottom line, that's not necessarily the right way. But as you said, maybe the metrics, you, if you do need measurement are, are different to, to ones that perhaps organisations have always focused on. It's a really interesting correlation, isn't it? If you're in, and it's obvious, Shane, surely if your employees are happy, who are so vital to any size or type of business, then the likelihood is the people they deal with, your customers and prospects, are going to have a fighting chance of being happy too. Yeah, good reason for the marketing department to go and ask uh, the HR department what their overall employee churn is and vice versa. HR should be asking marketing what the customer churn is and the two departments working together. Um, completely agree. Talking about getting things wrong, I referenced um, the social experiment. Of course, it's not the social experiment, is it, Steve? As you have rightly pointed out, it's the social dilemma on Netflix. Um, and why did I we will raise that? that <laughs> yeah, well, why me. did you? Fascinating documentary for anyone that hasn't seen it, as you've said, but very pertinent to today's conversation also. Yeah, because I think for those who do watch it, and not everybody watches it all the way through, because I think those that are very close to it go, yeah, well, this isn't telling us anything new. But I think to me, what I took from it is actually businesses that start out trying to do the right thing somewhere along the line, as I referenced, you know, you don't end up delivering what you think you were delivering. And is there a, a need for us all to revisit where we are in the world today? Yeah, I agree. And, and Ian made the point actually around if you're focused on your your values, then they're infinite. You, you'll never get there. But that therefore means you need to keep a close eye on them rather than this kind of set and move on culture of right by 2025 we will be this size and these metrics is if our that we stand for these things from a value set point of view the world changes as we go and i, I think shane one of the, the most fascinating parts of that documentary the social dilemma was was the guy who was the co-founder of the like button on facebook 
the idea that it needs more than two people is quite humorous. But um, he was you know, genuinely saying that was designed with with positive intent that actually we thought it'd be a great thing for people to get likes from their peers to, to get the positive of it little did we appreciate that the world would change that you know we'd have as he said suicidal teens despairing about the lack of engagement and the lack of likes or um, support they're getting from their peers so you can set out on a direction of, of what you think is the right thing to be doing but that of course can change not just because of you and your organization but the wider world of this year has certainly taught us you need to keep a much closer eye on on how the world is changing and, and how rapidly yeah and the unforeseen consequences of that i think you know i, I love dean's reference to turkey farmers and i i just i don't know whether there's going to be any turkey farmers listening to this um podcast or anybody who knows a turkey farmer but i do hope that they're taking their their massive uh, 20 pound birds and thinking about portioning it up um because he's right there's so many unforeseen consequences of what's happening and trying to think in that way and think differently um, it's hard very often when you're in a business and you see it the way it's always been. And I think that's one of the things that's refreshing of organisations looking to be challenged and looking and saying, what have we missed? What, what have we missed or what's changed as well? And as Ian said, you know, how the world has, we all know the world has rapidly changed, but it's, we now also know it's not going to spin or pivot back to how it was. We, we have got fundamental change. So in his world, data and research and insight, it's very possible that organisations, even listening into this, are still working on out of date thinking. And out of date could be just the start of this year or maybe a few months ago. And a really important point and why organisations like Ian's are so important to give you that as he said, the imposter view, but I think just the objective outside of you, Shane, of, of what it really looks like in your market and your organisation. You can be perhaps snow blind to it. You can miss the obvious sometimes. I agree. So, yeah, um, more imposters. That's what we want. Indeed. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, there we go. So that's the tagline for series two. What we've learned, series two, the imposters. Maybe that won't quite work, says our marketing brains, but certainly sets us up well for a good start for the rest of the series. So that was Ian Hughes from Consumer Intelligence. I do hope you've enjoyed that. Shane and I will be back very soon with an equally uh, enjoyable and rewarding story from yet another of those imposters, or indeed we'll just call them jolly good people that have got a story to tell. Thanks and we'll speak to you soon.